Hello and welcome to The Long View, a podcast that takes a closer look at the games people play. The Long View is generously hosted by 2d6.org. www.2d6.org is one of the best sites on the internet for board game news, commentary, reviews, walkthroughs, and special guest interviews. Go to 2d6.org for great board game information. The Long View is also generously sponsored by Gamesurplus.com. Gamesurplus.com is one of the premier online board game websites, and Thor and his family would be happy to meet all of your board gaming needs. Go to www.gamesurplus.com for the hard-to-find import or for the perfect game for your next gaming get-together. That's gamesurplus.com. Thanks to them, as always, for their support of The Long View. My name is Jeff Gamble, and I'm your host for tonight. And uh, I'm very pleased to have with me today none other than the man himself, Tom Vassell. Um, Tom was gracious enough to agree to come on the show this evening when I emailed him about what may be one of his favorite games, which is Cosmic Encounter. This is a game that has been out in some form since 1977, I believe, and it has undergone many different revisions and many different sort of incarnations, most notably its Fantasy Flight treatment that it received a few years back. I myself have played the game quite a few times, but nowhere near as much as Tom. So when I emailed him and asked him if he would be willing to do the show, I was very grateful that he responded immediately and said, yes, I would love to talk about this game. So without any further ado, I'm going to introduce Tom. And and Tom, I'm going to ask you uh, if you can just kind of tell us what was it that first attracted you to the game of Cosmic Encounter? What, what drew you to it? And maybe for listeners who might not be familiar with the game, maybe tell them a little bit about it as far as what the game is and, and a basic uh, review of how it plays. I think I played Cosmic Encounter when I was 11. I, I'm one year older than Cosmic Encounter. Uh, and so the first version... I played was the one that was done by Eon Games. It was the original game. If I'm correct, it had either 10 or 15 aliens. It wasn't very varied, and it certainly wasn't super-duper quality. But when I first saw it, it just attracted me, I think because each person had a special ability, and I had never seen that in any game before. Uh, up to that point, I had played Stratego, Scotland Yard, you know, those were strategy games, but everybody was the same. This was something where people were different. And what fascinated me even more was in the game was a little catalog, and they talked about these things called expansions, <laughs> something I never heard of before either, but where you could buy more aliens. And I wish with all my heart that I could buy them, but it wasn't my game, and I knew we couldn't afford to buy a game expansion. But that fascinated me, and I thought about that my whole life until I found the game you know, 15 years later. Cosmic Encounter, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's a space game, but the space is kind of just an overlay on the game. You control five planets, and you're trying to conquer five other planets that are outside the five that you start with. You control them by each turn the game dictates who you will attack. You then can use you and the defender both to encourage other players to ally with you through a series of Oh, through a card play battle, simply by playing the highest card, uh, you will attack each other. And 
then the winner will either will lose all their will capture the planet and the loser loses all their ships. There's other things involved with it too. I don't know if you want me to give a 10 minute explanation here, but uh, the thing about the game is that in itself it's a little it's an okay game, but once you add in these special powers for the different players, it becomes this whole game of negotiation and going back and forth. In fact, the game can end with a dual victory, triple victory, quadruple victory. In fact, if you're playing an eight-player game, it's possible, I've never seen it, but that seven people could win and one person lose. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and that's one of the interesting things about the game is that the theme – uh, while it is present, is really only strongly, at least in my opinion, the, the space theme really only comes through in those alien cards. And and whoever did those, uh, I didn't have the original version like you did, Tom, but I have the Fantasy Flight version. And, and there's actually like little kind of flavor text on there. It gives you a little bit of background uh, about the alien and a kind of a, a really in-depth description of the specific power. And, you know, you mentioned this special powers thing. And, and this is something that has come up quite frequently in game design. The idea that, you know, each player has something unique that they can bring to the table. And it, it really does make the game very, number one, compelling, but it also makes it, uh, there's a lot of variability in there. And that variability is one of the things that keeps it fresh. You know, I like the fact that you said, you know, this is an okay game when you look at it mechanically. I think mechanically it's, it's pretty simple. But when you add in these special player powers, it really uh, spices it up to the point where each game seems like it can be a unique experience. Um, do, do you think that that is correct? You know, in, in my assessment of the mechanics being kind of uh, standard, I don't want to say vanilla, but nothing truly exceptional in the mechanics. But the special powers makes the game really tick and is what makes it flow. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I always do a spiel. I've taught this game dozens if not hundreds of times and every time i teach it i teach the game and when i'm done teaching it i say now that would be a decent game but what makes it exciting and then i pull out the alien powers and then the game suddenly everyone was like oh this isn't so bad when you pull out the alien powers bam it's it's great before that i would call it a decent game i'd rank it a six out of ten so what would you say, uh, the other thing that comes to mind uh, when I think about what makes this game maybe a little different or special, especially given its vintage, how old it is, is there's an awful lot of player interaction. And as someone coming from, you know, I, I kind of got into the hobby late when uh, my wife and I had uh, kids and, and we had moved up to the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania and we had no family up here. So basically my wife and I, after we finally got the kids into bed, kind of just sat around and watched a lot of TV and stared at each other. Uh, we really couldn't go anywhere. And I kind of stumbled on Board Game Geek and found, uh, I think it was Carcassonne. And, and you know, we kind of took off from there. So I came into gaming probably about 10 years ago. And all of my early experiences with Euros, which were no player elimination, and uh, for the most part, a very low conflict. And Cosmic Encounter seems to really have an awful lot of, as you said, back and forth, in-your-face kind of player interaction. Is that something you think still sets it apart? Yes, but it's it's different. A lot of There's a lot of problems with player interaction games. Like six people decide they don't like somebody else, so they gang up on them. I talked earlier about six people winning and one person losing, but that takes a special sort of circumstances. This game has kind of very... It's very free-flowing and... 
anything can happen type on one hand, but on the other hand, it has very strict limitations as to what you can do. I have to attack Bob on my turn, and it makes sense for Joe to help me. It doesn't matter if Joe and Bob had an alliance earlier. And the game kind of mechanically shifts alliances back and forth so that it's not so bad. And I've been able to play this game with people who would never play Risk or uh, Diplomacy, games where, you know, People are furious with each other after the game is over. In Cosmic, I very rarely see people getting mad at each other because the game, if there's one person to get mad at, it's the game. Nice. Yeah, no, I, and, and that's an excellent point. I hadn't thought of that. So really the Destiny deck, uh, I believe is what it's called, is... You know, the Destiny deck, for, for those who don't, aren't real familiar with the game, you know, at the start of your turn, you flip over a card, and that card tells you who you're going to attack. Um, there are a couple cards in there that will give you the option. They're kind of wilds and, and say, well, you can attack whoever you want. But that's a really great point because when I play with my kids, it's kind of hard for them to get upset, like you said, because no one can truly feel picked upon because, you know, I'm not always going after the same person because the destiny deck tells me who I have to attack and the very nature of that as you just said uh, causes alliances to shift constantly and I think it also uh, helps people from that kind of feeling of being put upon Um, so maybe that destiny deck is a little bit uh, deeper of a mechanical design decision than I originally kind of gave it credit for now that I'm hearing you talk about that. Well, what's interesting is it's such a unique, interesting idea, but as far as I know, it's not used in any other game. Now, probably somebody will write in and think of some game, but it, for some reason, Cosmic Encounter is just that unique sort of game where it's allowable. You wouldn't play Axis and Allies and say, okay, on my turn, I'm going to draw, ah, I'm going after Germany this turn. That doesn't make sense, but in Cosmic Encounter, it just works. Yeah, and, and that might be a place where the theme does lend a hand because you're right. I, I can't think off the top of my head of, of another game that where your your opponent is sort of randomly determined. Um, so yeah, I, I I think you're a hundred percent right on that, and and I think that's something that might again make it unique. And it's also maybe because of that sci-fi theme it is more allowable because if you're looking at any other kind of setting for that game, uh, it might not make sense. You know, you, you brought up Axis and Allies, and that's true, but any kind of conflict that I can think of where you just sort of randomly decide to flail out and attack somebody else wouldn't make a whole lot of sense in the context of the game. But in the in the context of this game, it does seem to sort of make sense. Um, so that, that I think that's, a, that's another really uh, excellent point. Uh, and one that that I hadn't thought of before. So while we're on the subject of theme, let's let's kind of take a look at the theme of Cosmic Encounter. It sounds to me, with the point that you just made, that really there isn't another theme that I can think of that would have uh, worked for this. I mean, you couldn't do this with trading in the Mediterranean, could you? Ah, uh, you're trying to bait me. <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I know your your thoughts about trading in the Mediterranean games, but no, I mean, and, and that's almost kind of serious. I mean, if you you had a game like Imperial where you were randomly told who you had to attack, that wouldn't make sense. And and I think you're right with that. So, is this really the only theme that would have worked for this game? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to think of it. You you could pick some sort of 
free for all, maybe car, um, you know, with the demolition derby, maybe, or I don't know. And I, I maybe you could think of some game where a Royal Rumble type game where you throw a bunch of people in. And if you think about it, maybe it doesn't even make sense. Why do I have to attack Brown? But I guess you could justify it away by saying, well, they their planet was next to ours, or they, you know, they they initiated clean air, and we can't stand that. You know, we we want polluted air, and right. or whatever whatever the reasoning is. But it's something I've never really seen anyone complain about. People like it actually because. They'll say, oh, man, I was just attacked three times in a row, but that means I won't be attacked for a while, and I know everyone's going to get their due. Right, right. And I think that that's another interesting thing about the game because uh, the the last game I played in preparation for this uh, uh, podcast was just yesterday with my kids. And uh, one of my – my one daughter was the zombie. And it didn't take long. You know, even though the Destiny deck tells you who to attack – uh, my daughter was very astutely kind of using her zombie power of being able to sort of retrieve someone's ship for them from the void as a negotiating chip. And the rest of us were kind of eyeing her kind of forces very warily because she never really loses anything. And so her strength relative to ours as we're kind of battling it out amongst each other um, never really seemed to get much worse. As a matter of fact, she seemed to get stronger, if anything. So... Um, I think that another thing that that keeps the game working is the fact that each of those alien powers, like the one I just described, is is unique and effective. You know, um, I had the hacker, and for the hacker, uh, early in the game, uh, my son made the mistake of of chuckling when he got his first hand of cards, and he was, I think, the uh, geez, who was he? He was the clone. And so he was going to be able to recycle a good card if he had one. And so I kind of, you know, heard his little chuckle. And the first thing I did is when I had the opportunity to attack him, I threw a negotiate card so I would lose. And I would be able to go through his hand and look at them as the hacker. And so uh, he did have a card. He had a 40. And I snagged that card right from his hand. And so there's this kind of interesting way in which the alien powers often do kind of balance each other and make sense kind of thematically in the terms of, you know, the way they're described on on their, their cards. So I think there's a definite theme there. And I think that those alien powers actually help the players negotiate during the game uh, to kind of keep things on a somewhat even keel. That being said, though, Tom, what I want to ask you about is there's been a lot written about the fact that some of these alien powers can break the game or they're just too powerful. Um, Have you found that to be true uh, or or is that much ado about nothing? What do you think about that? Well, a couple things there. One is I think it's almost a moot point in a sense that Kevin Wilson is the, 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 the original, there was original design team, Peter Latka, Bill Everly, um, and one other guy, uh, Jack Kitterich. Um, then Kevin Wilson took the fantasy flight version and developed it. And he really balanced the powers, I think far more than they were originally. But if you talk to Peter Latka, he's the kind of the talking voice for the designers. He'll say that he knows the powers are imbalanced. I know they're imbalanced. There's some powers that are way better than other powers. And the point of the game is, who cares? Who cares? Because the game 
the, the players themselves balance that fact out. Let's say you play the virus. Most people, when they first play the game, they look at virus and it seems all powerful because you don't multiply your number of ships times the card you put. I mean, you don't add them. You multiply. Right. Or other people look at um, the loser. The loser is a very powerful one because he can say the loser wins and then the loser wins. Right. <laughs> and those are very powerful. But because they're powerful, they basically point a bullseye on you and it's self-balancing in the game. Not to mention because every single game of Cosmic Encounter that you play in your life, even if you play it every day, five times a day, will be different. You'll always get a different grouping of powers, and you're never sure how powers will interact with one another. So I don't care if you have the quote-unquote best power in the game and I have the quote-unquote worst power in the game. I'm going to beat you, and I'm going to beat you badly. <laughs> or at least, at least I think I am. But I, I, I never think I don't have a chance. In fact, one of the... Sometimes a power looks good and isn't. For example, you mentioned zombie. Right. The first time people play the game, they're like, zombie, this is great. I think zombie's in the, probably the bottom five weakest powers. Really? Okay. Now, yeah, why because, is that? Because all it does is it lets you keep all 20 ships. Well, la-di-da. That doesn't help you win that much. Um, it, it doesn't scare me. In fact, you probably end up helping me bring some of my ships back. So thank you. Uh, I don't look at it as a powerful power, but there are some like – I think the pacifist is just hugely powerful. Yes, yeah. But I'm not worried if you are the pacifist because I'm just going to try to adjust my play to counter you. So you think that the aliens, uh, the alien powers do a lot to kind of uh, uh, level each other out once everybody kind of knows what everybody's doing. How much of the, the replayability of the game is based on that? How much of the replay, uh, replayability is based on the people you're playing with? What, what do you think about that? Well, I think, and I'll probably say this later on, that the the people playing the game can make it or break it. I've heard of people saying they've had bad games at Cosmic Encounter, and I certainly know it's not for everybody. But many times when someone tells me they have a bad game, I suspect they played in a bad group. If I play in a group, I, I can't remember the last time I played in a bad group at Cosmic Encounter because I will do my best to liven it up and encourage people to go back and forth. If everybody sits there and plays it as a game, and they sit there and they move pieces and play cards and they say, will you help me? Yes, I will help you. That's kind of boring. But if I say, will you help me fight the fleet of the evil macarons? Look how huge they are and how tiny we are. And we also need help, sirs, because they are killing children. And what are you doing to help me? Right. Let's stop it. And when you get into that and when you go back and forth, the game becomes a blast. But players can really make or break the game. So there's a certain amount of player investment you think that that is required, you know, that that sort of classic suspension of disbelief. You you can't go into this with a calculating attitude. You have to go into it with a creative kind of a mindset. Is that is that what you're implying there? I don't think you have to. I think that it affects most people's enjoyment. I think you can go in and look at it and, and make the alien powers, the alien pictures disappear and just become about numbers and math. But you still need to negotiate with other people. And so I still say that despite all the cool special powers and the cool funky cards, and if you want to play with the technology expansion, the Lukers, the moon, there's you know all these weird expansions you can play with. None of that matters if you can't negotiate. Well, I think that's very true. And, and this is a game that is uh, high in negotiation and table talk. And uh, you know I have yet to play this game with a group that doesn't 
engage in table talk, uh, you know, which is very much like you described where people are kind of trash talking and going back and forth and, uh, uh, you know, sort of adding their own flavor, uh, flavor text, if you will, to the game as they play it. Um, but I imagine it probably could be a, a rather dull procedural sort of an affair if you're playing with people who aren't willing to invest in that theme and invest in, and more importantly than investing in the theme, investing in the dynamic of the game. You know, uh, I've played some games of Chinatown, for example, which is, uh, you know, to my mind, Chinatown and I'm the Boss are kind of those pure negotiation kind of games. And I've played those games uh, with people who really just don't want to play. Like, they don't want to put themselves out there and and have fun. Um, They're just trying to just sort of, you know, follow the rules and play the game. And and it kind of makes it a a dull, kind of a lifeless experience. And I think the players are really required to bring Cosmic Encounter to life. I think I I agree with you there. I'm very fortunate that I haven't had a bad experience with it yet, but I've heard enough people, uh, you in particular, uh, from time to time describing those kinds of situations that I imagine it could be quite deadly to the game in the same way that Chinatown uh, or I'm the boss. I mean, if you can't have fun with sending people on vacation uh, and I'm the boss or waiting until that last possible second and throwing your card down and say, no, no, I'm the boss. If you can't have fun with that, then that's probably just not something you should be playing. Yes. Well, yeah. And one of the things you back to your original question, are the, are the powers unbalanced? The fact that the negotiation is so important to that, if people don't negotiate, I suspect people who complain about powers being unbalanced aren't in, aren't engaging in a lot of negotiation. They're just playing the game straight, and when you do it like that, of course the power that's the quote-unquote best is likely going to win mathematically. And I don't like games, and this is just a personal preference, I don't like game mechanics that have artificial catch-up mechanics. Like, for example... In Age of Steam, if you're doing really well, you have to pay more money than the people who aren't doing as well. And I and, and that kind of balances it out. If you're ahead, you have to struggle harder than the guy who's behind. And so the game forces you kind of into a closer range of higher and lower. And Cosby Encounter doesn't do that. Instead, I, I call it player balancing because the players will say, he's winning? Well, we're going to all gang up against him as well as we can under the rule set. And if I might be somewhat uh, self-advertising here, I like that mechanic so much that I stuck it in my own game. The, the Nothing personal coming out, we did the same thing. I didn't. When we add new gangsters to the game, I say, I don't care if it's unbalanced. Who cares? Because the players should balance it out. That's a really interesting point. So basically the, the dynamic in the game... Uh, the, the the responsibility of keeping the game balanced is not uh, some artificial kind of a construct of the mechanics or the rules of the game, but it's up to the players themselves. And you know, I think again, you, you're you're absolutely right because you know when I play Cosmic Encounter with my wife, she really struggles in that game. Now the rest of us, the kids and I, are having a blast, but she just. She kind of sits back in that game, and she does not like to negotiate. She does not like to partner. She just wants to play her cards. And 
Coincidentally, what seems to happen is she seems to kind of get kicked around quite a bit. So I think, again, that that's something else that, you know, I, I would have to agree with you on and something I didn't think about. So when, when we look at the game's dynamics, it's the player interaction that seems to balance the game then, in your opinion, yes? Yes. Now, what about the, the sort of pacing of the game? I, I can tell you that one of the things that I've had a little bit of a problem with with Cosmic Encounter is I've played some games of Cosmic where it seems like I only got three or four turns total in the entire game. Um, I've seen these games go really, really quickly. Um, and, and so I wonder, like, are we asking for allies too much too early are we maybe helping each other out too readily? Um, because, you know, that, that last kind of, the last two colonies that you need to get in order to win can come quite rapidly if you're not careful. So what has been your experience with the pacing of this game? What, what's the typical length of a game? And do you think if a game is short, like I'm describing, is that due to poor gameplay or is that just inherent in the design? And sometimes that happens. Well, assuming the game doesn't get bogged down in extremely thematic negotiation and uh, having a what I what we call the game nanny where someone keeps it moving. They flip the card and say, OK, you're attacking this person, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, my games usually take an hour and a half, probably closer to two hours. I have played eight player games before where one person didn't get a turn. However, I, I, you're, I think you're looking at it the wrong way. If you said you played a game where you only got three turns, did the game only last three turns? Because I bet you you played a four-player game right. and everybody got three turns. And so you actually had 12 turns because the great thing about Cosmic Encounter is you're never out of it. Every turn you are actively engaged. It's very rare for both the offensive player and the defensive player to both not ask you to join in. And if they do, then their encounter is going to be very quick. Uh, but usually somebody's asking you to help them. And even if they aren't, you are actively trying to talk other people out of helping one or the other. So the great thing, one of the great strengths of Cosmic Encounter is I never sit back ever. You can't go to the bathroom even. You've got to play. <laughs> you're there because you're involved in every decision. So you get two turns where you are the quote-unquote active player, right. but you're active the whole game. That That's true. Um and that that's a, that's another good point. Uh, I know I keep saying that it it sounds bad, but but it's true. Uh, that that is another good point. That you know everybody is actively engaged. You you really can't take the bathroom break. And I know this is true, uh, not just because you said it, but because in the you know the last game I played, my daughter uh, said I'll be back, and you know she wanted to run off to the bath, and we we had to stop. We couldn't continue because you can't play this game without the full complement of players. Uh, most of my plays have been with four players. Um, I, I've never played with eight. I've played a couple times with five. And so, yeah, sometimes I have had that experience where, you know, the game goes fairly quickly, you know. But you're saying that it almost is moot because everybody is engaged. And I would agree with you there. Maybe that's just my own kind of lens looking at it as, you know, when I'm the lead player, you know, that's... That's my turn, and, and I'm kind of looking forward to that, and I'm excited about that. So if I only get a few turns, I'm like, man, you know, that was kind of short. But maybe that is the wrong way to look at it. Um, since everybody is so intimately involved in everybody else's turns. 
Yeah, it's 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 really interesting in that regard. I, I and you know you mentioned eight player game. I don't often play with eight. It's a very rare thing. I'm usually playing with five or six. Six is my favorite number to play the game with. Although five is pretty good too. Uh, it works with four pretty fine. In fact, the online version, which is what you can play if there's no one else around to play, also works really well with four. I wasn't aware that it was an online version. Uh, can you tell us uh, uh, where that where that lives? I believe it's Cosmic Encounter Online. It's been a bit since I played it, but I know that it's very actively run by the designer of the game himself, Peter uh, Olatka. Um, he's always they're always working and playtesting and balancing. All right, it's not Cosmic Encounter Online, but <laughs> I, I'll find it's CosmicEncounter.com. Okay. CosmicEncounter.com. All right. CosmicEncounter.com, and you can go online and play, and there's, it says right now that 311,000 games have been played online. Wow. So, and you can play against uh, aliens, uh, I mean robots. And even though you would think that would be a terrible game because they don't negotiate with you, it's still not bad. Well, that sounds great, and, and I appreciate you uh, letting us know about that because I wasn't even aware of it. Um, I, I know that on the Board Game Geek page, they usually will have that listed, and I probably just missed it. So uh, I appreciate you letting us know about that because it is a game that, you know, you, you do have to have, I think, a minimum of four players to play. And, uh, you know, I think it, it's one of those cases where it probably is the more the merrier. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's a great solution for, you know, people like myself who don't get to play it, uh, an awful lot. Um, one of the other things I want to talk about, you know, when I look at this, when, when I do the podcast episodes, I, I try to look at this framework that, uh, Oliver Kylie kind of came up with and then I've adopted. And one of the things that, that he talks about in this framework, when you're looking at a game critically is, the sort of decision space in the game and, and the sort of strategic opportunities. So I'd like to kind of touch on those because I think Cosmic Encounter is one of those games that kind of gets a, a little bit of a rap as being just sort of an experience game. And so I'd like to ask you, Tom, do you think that's true or do you think there are meaningful decisions and strategic considerations that are made in this game while you play? I think if one more than a third of the games I've played in, and considering most games I play in are five or six players, that would kind of skew the numbers of randomness off, right? It is a very thematic expansion, but I mean, a game, but I'll go into it fully expecting that I have a chance to win and I will try to win. And I don't, I think that it's very possible to win based on good gameplay. So what makes good gameplay in Cosmic Encounter? <laughs> well, again, it's negotiation and persuading everybody that you're not as uh, lo- losing – you're not as winning as much as people think you are. Uh, <laughs> granted, there's luck in the cards and there's combos and all sorts of things. I played a game one time where I was a, a player called the Masochist and I had to have all my ships die. And if that happened, I won the game. And I worked and worked and worked hard at it and – would be helpful and then sabotage the people I was helping so that my ships would die. And I, and I did it. I killed all 20 of my ships. I was pleased. And then someone played a card that if they were on a planet on my thing, when I won, that they won instead of me. <laughs> and that was, that was like a one in a hundred thing, you know, but it was cool. And I accepted it because that's cosmic encounter. So stuff like that can happen, but it was still as entertaining as I'll get out. So, yeah, the experience is pretty strong, 
and you're not going to ever be someone who wins every single game that you play. But if you were, I wouldn't want to play with you anyway. Okay. So, so you would say that there's definitely, though, some strategy because the alien cards and powers themselves, though, do lead you down a strategic path. In other words, the example you just used uh, of the masochist, you really built all of your gameplay in that particular game around the idea of how can I best lose all of my ships, which is certainly strategy, isn't it? Yeah, if there was a slider of more tactics or more strategy. There's a lot of games that that we play today that are like 100% tactics and no strategy. I would say Cosmic is probably still a bit more tactical because you have to deal with every situation as it comes. But there is a decent amount of strategy. Every time I look at my opening hand of cards and my opening power, I say, okay, what am I going to do this game? I look at everybody else's powers. Who am I going to go after? Who am I going to try to get to help me? I look at the not just their powers. I look at the players. I'll say, okay, that's Bob. I think I can win him over in this game. You know, I was, you know, it's been I'm a while since I've been in a game. surprised you can win anybody over, Tom, with as much as you've, you've talked about this game online. Everyone knows you're evil in this game, right? Yeah, I really am. But, I mean, sometimes I'm nice. I've been nice in the last several games because I'm trying trying to throw people for a loop. One of these days I'll switch back. There you go. All right, so, you just, so you're trying to keep people on, your, on their toes, yeah? Well, right, but the thing is, during a game itself, you have to persuade people that what they're doing is in their best interest, regardless of whether it helps me or not. Right, right, and, and that is kind of the trick because you, you – and, and, the, and the thing is is that everybody knows – that you know that it, it's kind of like you know that that great scene in uh, uh, Princess Bride where it's like you know well clearly I cannot choose the cup in front of me you know because everybody knows that you know if you are agreeing to ally with them that you know you're looking for something out of it as well everybody really is truly out for themselves in this game but the 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 consideration is am I going to get more out of it than you. And if you can convince the player that you're trying to negotiate with that they're going to come out better than you, they'll probably agree to take you along for the ride. But that is the trick. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the, the trick in the negotiation is to, as you said, you know, let people think or, or try to foster the opinion that you're really not doing as well as you are, which is something that you said earlier. Yes, that's correct. So, uh, you know, it looks like there might be some more strategy in this game than it's given credit for, which might be one of the reasons why it has enjoyed some longevity, um, considering, you know, how old it is. I mean, it's, 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 it's right up there with the classic kind of game designs, at least in my opinion, um, of, of an early game. I mean, you mentioned when Cosmic came out, it was, you know, we were playing things like Monopoly and Stratego, and, and you know, there wasn't a ton out there uh, unless you were looking at some of the old Avalon Hill games uh, that, that, that was anything like it. And even those Avalon Hill games were nothing like this. I mean, this, this was really kind of revolutionary, I think, in, in many ways. So while we're talking about longevity, which is kind of one of the themes of the podcast, what, what is it that you think, what, what do you attribute the longevity of this game to? I think the longevity of the game is that it was way ahead of its time. That a lot of the things that you see in the game now that you're like, well, this is pretty cool. If you introduce this to people, let's say someone got into gaming in the last 10 years and they're finding all these cool Euro games. 
and you introduce this game to them. They go, wow, this is really neat and interesting. Yeah, this came out 35 years ago. 35 years ago this came out. And these guys, this, this game was deliberately inspirational for their next hit, Dune, for Magic the Gathering. And I never even really tried to copy it because it was just – it was one of those flashes of inspiration. I would put it down there like with Diplomacy and Risk. Uh, well, maybe not Risk, but the Diplomacy and other games that, that just came out of the flash and they were – for some reason, everything worked together. I think that happened with Cosmic Encounter. And because it's – there's no – no one has written a book on the opening Macron gamut <laughs> because there isn't one. Right. Because you don't know who you're playing against. The the website here at the Cosmic Encounter, uh, when when you go there and it tells you how many combinations, it says there's 52,360 combos. Well, that's more days than some several people, many people are going to live. Right. And that's only with 35 aliens. I believe the sets, I have the Fantasy Flight set, which comes with 50 aliens, and then I believe I have another 50 from the expansions. And that's just an infinite number of combinations mixed with an infinite combo of ways the cards deck can be shuffled. So that variety, I think, has kept the game strong. So, uh, you know, variety is definitely something I would agree with. And it's something that I found is is a kind of a common thread in a lot of the games that, uh, you know, I've been looking at is, is this idea of replayability coming from some sort of variability or variety. And I think that that's definitely the case here. Uh, another thing that I think might be a real strong point to this game, though, Tom, is is the the, the mechanics themselves uh, th- themselves in this game are quite simple. Um, there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of beef to the rule set. You know, it's it's pretty straightforward. You know, each turn you flip a card from the destiny deck. You point the gate at the planet you're going to attack. You add from one to four ships to it. You ask for allies. The defender asks for allies. You pick a card. You play it. You execute any special powers or reinforcement cards. Done. Um, And one of the things that I've been looking at sort of uh, quite closely over, you know, the the last few episodes in particular that I've been uh, doing is this idea of sort of an elegance in the rule set and game design that sometimes less is more. And, you know, you've played a lot of games just like I have. and, and, And I can think of some games that have come out recently that are just so overwrought and so kind of convoluted and complex that I sometimes wonder if all of that is is serving to do nothing but sort of cloud the game, whereas some of these games, like, you know, you mentioned some of the early, you know, good ones, um, like Diplomacy and Acquire, um, you know, games like that, the rule sets themselves are quite simple, and the richness comes from the gameplay itself, do you think there's something to that, or, or or am I grasping at something that's not there? No, I mean, it's, it's, we, you just had a whole bunch. I was, I actually, uh, I looked up a prototype today and called the designer and was talking to him and said exactly what you said. I said you need to streamline this. Sometimes less is more. This game's a little too overwrought. <laughs> I used all those words Did because it's the, <laughs> it's the truth of it. Let me, if you think about it this way, even simple games can be bloated. Like, for example, Magic the Gathering. Very simple game, but it's grown bloated over the years with the new rules that have been added. Cosmic Counter 
has had a little bloat with all the expansions, but the base game doesn't have that. And they have everything so specifically timed. When you play a card, when do I play this card? It tells you right on it. When do I do this? It's There's a very set turn limit. And I think that this, this what you just said is true, and you combine it with the fact that Cosmic Counter is not as nerdy as people think it is. And you and, and I say that because you're saying you're playing it with your wife and your kids. Right. Um, very few, and I played it with my wife, and I played it with other people's, uh, with people who don't normally play a lot of games. I couldn't get them together to play Twilight Imperium or to play um, even Magic the Gathering, you know, games that are considered nerd games. Uh, th- but... Cosmic Counter seems like a nerd game, but when you explain it to people, they're like, oh, this isn't so bad. They don't they don't even look at themselves as conquering planets as a glorious void. They just say, oh, I need to get my ships over here. And they look at it almost a little bit more mechanically than thematically, except the th- thematics all come from interaction. Right. And most people like that. It's it's almost like a just a space themed family business. Oh, that's an interesting parallel. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think I agree with you there. Um, and, and again, that that comes from that simplicity. I mean, I think the poster child recently for me is there was a game that was put out last year uh, called Mill Ten Forty Nine. I don't know if you played this one, um, but this is a game that came out um, from I think it was ILO, um, and it, it was kind of. Uh, this sort of medieval sort of setting, one of your favorites, I know, this medieval kind of setting, and it had to do with vassalage, with with trying to get other people's uh, uh, playing pieces under your control, in a way, as their vassals. And I remember uh, this game being explained to me, um, actually by Zev. Um, I was at a convention and, and he was nice enough to sit down and show us this game that had just come from Essen. And, you know, we sat down there and we tried to plow through that rule book. And I swear it was like trying to walk through molasses. It was so dense um, with rules and exceptions and, you know, so many different kinds of, of phases and parts and, and these interlocking pieces that... Uh, it just it, it wasn't fun for me, you know, and, and I'm kind of finding the more games I play, the more I'm steering away from games that are sort of needlessly complex and gravitating towards games like Cosmic Encounter um, or another example of a, you know, quote unquote, more serious game. You know, the, the rules in Imperial are quite simple. And yet Imperial is a great game, at least in my opinion. It's, it's not hard to teach. And, you know, the investor card is the hardest thing to deal with. And the rest of the game is, is just that great kind of player interaction back and forth. And I really appreciate simple rule sets now. Um, and, and so I think the mechanics and the rules themselves might be another reason why this game has had so much longevity. Um, Tom, one other question I want to ask you about. As a person who's played this game just a tremendous amount, uh, do you see any areas, despite how much you love this game, where this game could be improved or where there might be a problem other than what we've already talked about, which is if you play it with the wrong group of people who aren't going to invest in in the experience, it's going to be dull. Is there anything that you would change about it? No. And I know, I mean, I know that that's kind of uh, the give me answer to a lot of things, but there's a lot of games out there. Well, say I like it, but there's this niggling thing. There is nothing about Cosmic Counter that I don't like. I can't think of any ways to change the game. Uh, I'm, you might argue with me over 
some of the stuff that the expansions in the earlier games like Lucre and Moons did, you, they're not, they haven't reintroduced those yet. And if they do, they might fix them because they were a little wonky. But I, especially the Fantasy Flight version, it's so polished, it's so smooth. The, my only problem with it is, is that no one has produced a deluxe version of it. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm not kidding there. I can't think of anything that I would change about it. That's how most games I could think of. Like one of my favorite games is Stool of Ages, and I could give you a list of things that I would change about it. Uh, Ticket to Ride, I, well... That one I probably wouldn't change either. But there's a few games that are my favorite games that I would say, well, I would change this or that. But with Cosmic, I really can't think of any flaw other than what you said, and that is you got to play with – there's some groups of people it just doesn't work with. Right. But you can say that about a lot of games. You know, I, I, well, and, right. That's yeah. such a pat answer. That's like saying, well, you just didn't get the game. That's why you didn't like it. Right. Well, you know, but I don't know that that's a cop-out. I, I really don't. I mean there are some games that are – uh, you know, of a certain style that is not going to appeal to everybody. You know, for example, uh, you know, just about any game that you think of can be broken down if you choose to into a fairly abstract set of mechanics. But I don't really particularly care for abstract games. Um, I realize they're good. I realize that people really enjoy them and that they have a lot of merits, but it's not for me. I don't really enjoy abstract games. Um, so I, I can't really, you know, fault um, a game like, you know, Devon or Zertz or whatever uh, and say, oh, well, you know, it's not a good game because it, it, it's just not for me. And so it's not a fault of the game if it doesn't speak to me. And I, and I think that that's not as much of a cop out of an answer as some people make it out to be. Um, for example, you know, I brought up Chinatown earlier. You know, that game, if you're not into negotiating, if you're not into trading and wheeling and dealing, you're not going to have any fun at all playing that game. It's going to be a painful experience to you, so why would you ever do it? But it's not the fault of the game. The game, I think the only time it's the fault of the game, Tom, is is if the game doesn't deliver what it intended to deliver. Does that make sense? That's true. So you don't really have anything that, that you have complaints over, although you do mention a deluxe version. So I got to ask you, um, you know, what would be in Tom Vassell's deluxe edition of Cosmic Encounter? Because it's really only a Kickstarter project away, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't say that. No, I have the someone painted my ships for me, which has just been superbly cool. And so I like that aspect of it. I would have... Uh, nice wooden planets that were painted with all different cool wooden things. I would have linen finished cards uh, that were in this box that when you open it up, all the cards were in different sections, including all the different spaceships. And there would be holographic aliens when you press the button. See, I'm going too far already. Um, <laughs> that's more so, of a joke than anything else. I'm really happy with my game copy of it. Uh, I play it quite a bit. And, and here's the weird thing. Um, I'm an expansionitis kind of guy. Yeah. If a new expansion comes out, I'm like, woo, what can I add to the game? If a new Cosmic Encounter expansion comes out, and I know there's at least one more being planned. There's like a fan expansion in the works. But if no new one, like if right now Fantasy Flight said we're going out of business and we will never make another expansion for Cosmic Encounter, I would be completely satisfied with the game as is. There's 100 aliens. There's like seven variants. 
You can play with up to eight players. It's awesome. I don't need anything else. Anything else is just gravy. Yeah, I think I'm inclined to uh, agree with you there. And, and you know, one of the things that I really got to give Fantasy Flight a lot of credit for, there's two things I wanted to bring out that, that I haven't brought up yet. Number one, I don't know what the original design, uh, the, the Eon, or, uh, you know, or Aeon, I, I don't remember which it was, um, design of the game, but I love the little plastic stacking ships. I mean, from an ergonomic standpoint, you know, of, of playing the game, and keeping track of things, these little stacking plastic ships, I think, are brilliant. I, I love them. Uh, I like how they feel. I like how they stack. And I, I think they move very well around the table. And it makes it very easy to kind of visually glance at the table because of how they stack and get a great idea of, of the board state, basically. And so I really got to give them a lot of credit for that. The other thing that I really appreciate about the Fantasy Flight Edition, and, and again, you'll have to tell me, Tom, if, if this was the same in the older editions as well, the earlier incarnations of the game, is Fantasy Flight has this really kind of cool, you know, green light, yellow light, red light system, whereby the aliens are kind of rated as far as like, okay, the green light ones are probably really good for beginners and they have interesting powers but maybe not as game-breaking as the yellow light or definitely the red light aliens. And I thought that that notion of leveling that um, for players, especially as people are learning the game, was was a really brilliant idea. Um, were, were either of those things present in earlier versions or are those fully attributable to Fantasy Flight? I don't think so. That they were in the earlier versions. Uh, a real quick history thing. Eon is the company that the trio formed to publish their game. Okay. And then it went through a couple other companies. And then Fair picked up the game and produced it. And for a while, before, for many years, there was a kind of almost a turf war, Apple versus um, PC war between, did you like the Eon version or the Mayfair version better? When in reality... They were fairly similar. The only difference was how they used flares. Then um, there was an Avalon Hill version with plastic ships. I don't know if you've seen that one. That yeah. came out in 99. It was very nice looking, but it only had 10 aliens, which was problematic. Right. Because it didn't have enough variety. And then they never did any expansions because, you know, it didn't make $600 billion. So the Fantasy Flight one appeased everybody. Right. The Mayfair, it, it took some of the, it took, it was more closer to, it was closer to Eon than it was to Mayfair, but it took a lot of the good ideas that Mayfair had added. And yet, if you played Cosmic Encounter back in 1977 and you came now to 2012 and played it, you would be able to do so without having to learn more than maybe half a rule. And I think that's something telling about the game there. It, we're not talking about Cosmic Encounter fourth edition. Right. You know, Fantasy Flight. Bless their souls. They love to revise things. Yes. And, and and sometimes it's good and sometimes not so good. But this one, they pretty much kept straight. They just streamed it a bit and they did fantastic. Yeah. I, I, forget, I, I, for, I forget what your question was. Sorry. Uh, no, no, that's fine. I, I was just curious if the leveling of the aliens um, was something that was present in earlier versions of the game. And I don't uh, think so. I remember when more Cosmic Encounter came out from Mayfair. In the book, it said... Don't combine these with these. And I remember specifically doing the Tom Vassell thing where I would go through and say, I will not play these aliens unless everybody here has played the game four times. Because some of their aliens were just over the top weird. Right. 
Uh, there's still a few like that. I don't know. Do you have all the expansions? No, actually, I don't. I've been trying to get my hands on some of them as my kids have gotten older and have been able to play the game because it's really not my wife's favorite game. So, And I have one of my good gaming buddies uh, who played it quite a bit, but uh, he had a couple bad experiences and said, you know, it was the one game that he almost rage quit. Um, so I still, I got to find out from Lloyd why it is he almost rage quit on Cosmic Encounter. But, uh, you know, I, I haven't had as much opportunity to play it, but now that my kids are getting older and they enjoy the game quite a bit, I'm probably going to be looking, uh, you know, have an eye towards those expansions. So... Tom, while we're talking about the expansions, are there any expansions that you would recommend more than others? Not really. I think there's there's three expansions out right now. Each expansion adds a new color of ship for the 6th, 7th, and 8th player. Right. They each add more aliens. They each add some new kind of rule to the game. Um, but none of those rules are essential. So you would just pick them based on the aliens in each set. I have no preference either way. If I was going to get just one, I might get the very first one, which uh, is not Cosmic Alliance. It's not. Co- it might be Cosmic Incursion. I think Incursion was the first, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. That's the one that's ringing a bell with me. So it's not a big deal, though. I don't think it's a big deal. You buy the expansions for the more for the if you want more players. I think you should buy one so you have six players. Right. And then after that, you're just getting them for the new aliens and maybe the variant that they added in the game. Well, you know, Tom, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to be on the podcast this evening. Um, you know, I think you've you've done a great job of explaining why you're passionate about this game. And I think you've done a great job of explaining the, the merits of the game in such a way that maybe we can all understand the longevity. And I think that, you know, you bring up your game, you know, nothing personal. And I think maybe one of the, the greatest uh, compliments that you can give is when, you know, you look at a game that's so inspirational to you that you want to incorporate a piece of that or a part of that into your own design. So I, for one, am am really looking forward to see how it is that you've incorporated this idea um, with, you know, these these varying kind of gangsters into your design in your new game. So uh, if that's going to bring a little bit of cosmic to that kind of setting and world, I think that's going to be very interesting. So uh, I want to uh, thank you once again for taking the time to do it. And uh, I would encourage anybody uh, who's listening to uh, post any comments or questions you have for myself or Tom over at uh, www.2d6.org or on the board game geek guilds and it would i would also be remiss if i uh, didn't point out that uh, tom and the dice tower network are a incredible collection of podcasts and resources for the board gaming community we have the dice tower news which is uh, something that i listen to on a regular basis where uh, tom you know you, you give us a, a lot of uh, upcoming information about not only what the dice tower network is doing but 
uh, new and upcoming things in the hobby itself. And as a listener to many of the podcasts in your network, like Ludology, for example, uh, it's just a, a wonderful uh, a set of resources that you've gathered for the board game community. So I wanted to take a moment to thank you for that because it's something that I've uh, um, really enjoyed over the years. And it's one of the things that got me thinking about doing a podcast. So uh, your work is something that I've appreciated. And I thank you very much for joining me this evening as we looked at Cosmic Encounter. Well, thank you. So for Tom Vassell and myself, I want to say thank you once again to 2d6.org for their generous hosting of the podcast and, of course, to Gamesurplus.com, one of the web's premier online retailers for board gaming. So if you're looking to pick up a copy of one of the expansions for Cosmic Encounter or perhaps Cosmic Encounter itself after listening to Tom tell us why it's such an awesome game, go to www.gamesurplus.com and see if Thor can find some copies for you and be sure to mention the long view in your order so for tom and myself thanks very much for listening and good night <laughs>